This is episode 23, Living in Alignment with Jamin Heppel. Welcome to Sophia on Earth. I'm your host, Sophia. I'm a coach, entrepreneur and yoga teacher, and I help women lead from their feminine in their relationships and in business. On this podcast, we talk about what it means to be human and how each of us gives the human experience meaning and makes it work for them. Connect with me at sophiaonearth.com or via Instagram at sophiaonearth and let me know how you are making the human experience work for you. Today's guest is Jamin Heppel. Jamin is the co-creator and leadership coach of Mountains and Marathons. Mountains and Marathons, which is a revolutionary leadership development company that focuses on holistic transformation, which completes all its programs with an epic physical challenge like running a marathon or climbing a mountain in iconic locations around the world. In this episode, Jamin and I talk about alignment and what it means to live in alignment in your own life. Jamin shares about his experience of living nomadically for four years now And we also talk about conscious uncoupling. So let's get started. Hey, Jamin. Hey, Sophia. So excited to have you and to talk to you today. I am stoked to be here and uh, yeah, very receptive to this invitation. Yes. I also love to bring people with different accents. (laughs) So I feel like you're the first Australian accent. Wonderful. I hope your (laughs) listeners enjoy (laughs) yes Um, beautiful so I would like to kick us off by talking about alignment what does alignment mean to you Mm. so um yeah so for me and inside the company uh, that I lead called mountains and marathons we define alignment as living in congruence with your truth so living in congruence with your truth in other words being in touch with what is beneath all the noise of what we think we should or should not do and actually connect with the part of us that already knows. And so when we get in touch with that knowingness, then it's a journey of, okay, what does it look like to bring our entire life, our entire being into a state of alignment? And that's the core of the work that, uh, that I'm very passionate about. I love it. And what about alignment is so important in life, but especially in leadership? Yeah. So if you look at alignment and alignment and generally and in the specific context of leadership is it always starts with the self. Okay. It's this idea of, you know, to live in alignment, otherwise put, is like to live in one's own deep integrity. And to live in integrity is to live, again, congruent with who we know ourselves to be, who we declare ourselves to be. And so when we look at leadership, first of all, we want to focus on bringing our entire being into personal deep integrity. Mm -hmm. Because from that place, the way in which we show up in our romantic partnerships, the way that we show up with our colleagues or those who we, who we employ, it's not so much about even beyond what we're doing. It's more so about who and how we're being. Mm. And when we're living from a place of alignment and deep integrity, the transmission of how we show up 
is an is a reflection of what we're ultimately looking to inspire inside of others. Mm. And my my lived experience and what I observe of the people who I coach and serve is that when we live from this place and do that deep inner work to be truly resonant with who we declare ourselves to be, well, the rest kind of gets a bit easier because mm. we become so attuned to where others may not be showing up in their deepest alignment. And we then get to be both an embodiment of and supportive to others stepping into their deepest alignment, living from their place of integrity. So to summarize it, first of all, living from one's own deep integrity, doing our own inner work to then be a possibility for others to be able to do the same. Mm, So powerful. I love it. What got you into this work? What's the Jamin story that connects to alignment and, and this kind of work. Yeah, nice. So the specific journey to doing this work and being um, an embodiment of the possibility of living in my own deepest alignment and therefore an inspiration and possibility for others stems from uh, a really challenging point in time in my life. So back in 2016, um, I'd been what I call on the entrepreneurial rat race for about six years. I'd built three independent leadership development companies, predominantly focusing on working with young people, Mm -hmm. uh, teenagers around emotional intelligence, resilience, um, uh, gender equality in the classroom, all of this kind of, again, great work that was being highly celebrated by uh, my community. Uh, However, inside this entrepreneurial rat race, um, I was burnt out. I was so depleted. I was doing 16-hour days, six days a week, and in a place where... Um, well, truthfully, if we kind of get to it, I was living deeply misaligned. I wasn't taking care of my physical health, my nutritional health, my social life. None of all of that was completely out of balance and wasn't receiving any energy. So here I was continuing to give, give, give and give. But ultimately, I was actually tapping further and further into my reserves. And so eventually my body kind of kept the score. So it was in July, the middle of July, 2016, when, um, you know, I had a massive breakdown, head in my hands, ball in my eyes out, just in this massive cathartic release and also feeling really sorry for myself. Mm. And after about two hours of just fully letting it go, um, I just I had a really simple but profound epiphany it was a recognition and acknowledgement of I created this mess. Like I created all of my suffering. And so from that place, I realized, well, if I created all of this, I can create my way out of it. So then I simply asked myself the question, okay, well, as a creator, um, if I can do anything in the world, if I can create anything in the world, what is in my deepest truth? What would I love to create? And then within five minutes, it was like, bang, I'd be running marathons, climbing mountains, traveling the world, transforming my life and working out some way to help other people do the same. And so it was in this place of what I sort of refer to as like divine clarity, where I had this download of this vision, I then just spent the next three hours just documenting every layer of what was coming through. And so from this place, it was just kind of like, all right, my life is deeply misaligned. I'm clear on what is my truth and what feels deeply resonant and aligned for me. Um, Now it's time to act in accordance with that. And so that was kind of the... um, the beginning of a of a very intentional journey of coming bring, coming into my own alignment and then obviously being a leader for others to be able to do the same. Mm. Talk about the power of emotional release and like the space it's creating in you for like things to just come to you, right? And for you to just be like, oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. 
So talk about uh, mountains and marathons, your, your business. Cool. So the heart of it is, is we facilitate holistic journeys of transformation for leaders who uh, have been quite successful in a material or career sense or a financial sense, but are feeling misaligned or out of balance or inside what I call midlife mediocrity <laughs> um, and, and seeking, seeking to step into more of what's available inside this extraordinary human experience. And from this place, we guide them through a six-month journey of holistic transformation that ultimately has them graduate by running a marathon or climbing a mountain in some extraordinary part of the world. And so, for instance, we will have, uh, we've run our most popular program is our Mount Kilimanjaro Aligned Leadership Program, which is based in Tanzania. So we will work with these leaders virtually mm. over the course of six months, and then they will fly over to Tanzania, meet me and my business partner, Jen, and then we will lead a 10-day retreat that includes summiting Mount Kilimanjaro. Now, as you can appreciate, you know, given that the work actually happens in the six months in the lead up to climbing Kilimanjaro, so the mountain also becomes a celebration and a beautiful metaphor of the journey that's already been. And also it's something exciting for all of our members to, it's an exciting future for our members to live into and look forward to and also be accountable to transforming their health if they start the program not quite ready to take on something as challenging as, as climbing that Kilimanjaro or running a marathon. Um, and so the heart of it is, is, yeah, this is how people generally engage with us. This is the core of the work that we do. Um, and a person's journey will also include fitness coaching and nutrition coaching because Jen and I focus on the alignment coaching or the leadership coaching. And that's facilitated in both a group context on Zoom or in a one-on-one -on -one context um, or both, both group and individual coaching. So people who sign up for your program, they have group calls, they have one-on-one -on -one calls with you and or with Jen, and then they have the trip either to Mount Kilimanjaro or wherever, correct? That, that's exactly right. Cool. I, I understood it. I love it. You got it. Um, I know that you live all over right now. We're like similar kind of like in our time zones. And obviously that's awesome, right? If you have like your virtual programs that works. And I'm curious how that life is for you. Tell me about that. Like what was your intention when you started to not live in one place and how is it going? Yeah, um, cool. So, yeah, I've been traveling. I've been nomadic now for four years. Wow. Uh, so, took, yeah, so, Jenny and I, we took off in May 2018. And that was right at the beginning of Mountains and Marathons. So, it was two years before I actually left Australia. Um, and it was six months after I got connected to the vision for Mountains and Marathons that I met Jenny. We started um, dating romantically. And then after three months, she moved in. And three months later, we started this business. And within another three months, we were taking off wow. um, to, 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 to begin traveling. Um, and yeah, I mean, generally speaking, the longest I've spent in one country in one, in one um, consecutive period of time was 10 months in Bali when COVID first hit mm. uh, in Indonesia. Um, but otherwise, the average amount of time that I would spend in a single country would be anywhere between uh, three to six weeks would generally be the, the normal amount of time. And, and so inside of that, what I acknowledge is the nature of the nomadic lifestyle and always being on the mood, move. It can be, um, it can be quite romantic uh, for some people to envision this possibility of always being on the road and this constant travel. And 
my experience is I love it. <laughs> and yet what I also have learned is that this life and lifestyle is not for everybody. Mm. And, you know, now we're at a stage where I'm still very much in touch with this, with, with the spirit of adventure and this continual curiosity about all these different cultures and, and ways of operating and ways of working around the world. Whereas Jen, um, she is much more in touch with her desire for groundedness and stability. So really we've created the business now to be at a, at a stage where um, we don't have to be constantly on the move. Early days, that was how we chose to do it. Now I continue to choose to do it. And Jenny uh, prefers to, you know, kind of ground in one place for four to six months before then moving on elsewhere. Whereas I prefer the, to, to continue to, to, to bounce and explore, which I don't know how long that will remain in my system, mm. but for now it still feels good, still feels inspiring. Um, and as you can appreciate, I've certainly developed a series of systems and rhythms and rituals that support with packing things up grounding quickly and then being able to come to a place of center to obviously be of service to my clients um, and be in that creative space and mindset. Mm. So like the big question is, have you been to Germany? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Jen is actually from Germany. She grew up in Germany. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So you wouldn't believe it. So our first trip, when I left Australia, our first um, one-way flight was directly into Frankfurt. And then uh, we spent a couple of months, actually not a couple of months, we spent a month in Germany, close to Dresden, uh, near where she grew up, and then uh, have since had, I think, three return trips to Germany as it's, um, it, it was kind of our European anchor and in the early days, especially when we needed free accommodation because we didn't want to keep spending yeah. um, money, uh, Germany was a bit of a safe haven for us. Cool, cool. I can relate to that. Also, I was born in Dresden, so it, that's kind of fun for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like it's nice. Germany's quite cheap like especially like the east part i would say it's a good place to anchor in i want to i want to say i'm sure there's other places right it's just my experience sure. i love that that is so fascinating so talk to me about your process when you like i, I really want to like get an idea like when you travel you come to a new place like what are the steps you take to ground in quickly and to be just like i'm here now and i can kind of show up for my clients yeah sure so i mean for me i've worked out a, a pretty a pretty consistent list of five things that are really important for me to feel super solid and grounded um one is i need a stocked fridge the other is i need all of my technology charged and in place and, and, and a quiet place to obviously be present for for my coaching conversations um Uh, the next one is access or knowing exactly where the best local cafe is for me to mm. work from. Uh, I need transport and autonomy. So ideally that's renting a scooter or renting a bike. Uh, and then the final part is um, emptying all of my clothes, like taking my clothes out of the suitcase and, and, and putting them in, in actually in a wardrobe. So it's kind of like as soon as I land, almost no matter what the time is, I will just carve out as much time as necessary in that day to ensure that those five things are met. Uh, and then from that place, I've then got what I need to be able to step into meaningful work. Mm, I love it. I'm curious too, when you were like talking about like kind of your desire to continue to move around and I like, I can feel a sense of adventure. If that's like connected somehow to, Like, because I know for, for the masculine, the masculine just has like this, this desire for adventure. I have it too, because I'm a Sagittarius, but, <laughs> but, um, I'm curious, like if you can kind of speak into that a little bit. 
Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because as, as I reflect on the, you know, just the various energetics and, and dynamics that um, are alive in human beings, I mean, if you look at the masculine, its primary value is freedom. And my experience was before I started traveling was feeling trapped and feeling constricted. And specifically, specifically because of the nature of my work um, mm. before I stepped into mountains and marathons, it was geographically dependent. Like I needed to be in a physical space at a physical time. Um, and that felt like at early days, that was exactly what felt congruent and was right for me. That was in alignment back in my early 20s. But then by the time I had my breakdown, um, it was deeply out of alignment. It's like, well, you know, I feel stuck. I feel trapped. I need like, I need to like, I need to spread the wings. Mm. Um, so there was the physical proximity. Then there was also a financial component. I mean, I was like 25K in debt to my parents when, um, when, I, had that, uh, when I had that breakdown. And so, you know, and the nature was I was still in debt when I took off beginning mountains and marathons. Um, and, you know, and, and so there's like a financial layer of what was like feeling constricting and, and getting in the way of freedom. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I guess if we're going to kind of speak into it as well, it was like there was, whether we speak about freedom or misalignment, um, it, this probably is more in the realm of misalignment than it does freedom, but just the nature of Jenny and I being in a romantic relationship and then uh, 18 months to two years into the business, recognizing or me specifically recognizing um, and acknowledging that my truth is that Jenny isn't the woman that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And so um, that was, like I said, that's more misalignment than a lack of freedom because I do mm -hmm. believe that um, freedom is possible inside committed relationship and yet as long as it is deeply resonant and deeply aligned. Um, and so, you know, for me, part of the expression of my or access to freedom is the, is, is the infrastructure and the resources to be able to have ongoing um, indefinite travel and have mm -hmm. designed my life and lifestyle to help facilitate that as, um, yeah, as, the mass, as part of the masculine expression is freedom. And this is one of the way it, it gets expressed in my world. Yeah. Um... I talk about travel a lot on the podcast as well, because I'm, I love to travel. I travel a lot. I mean, I have like a base, right. And, and that's important for me too, but what I find, and I'm curious to hear your experience is that by going to places that are foreign to me or that I, that are just I'm like not comfortable, I don't know them. They're not familiar. I learn a lot about myself and it's that in a, that alone without like even having necessarily a coach or support or anything is such a source of growth for me because it's mm. almost like a mirror, right? Like I don't, when I'm in my environment that is, that is familiar, I don't notice necessarily patterns or anything, but then if I go to a different place, I'm like, Ooh, you know, so what, what's your experience around that? Yeah. Well, I think what I've, what I've worked out works for me is there are a few places around the world that feel like home to me. Mm. And so I will often, as I'm mapping out sort of the next 12 months of movement, I will very deliberately um, have periods of time where I'm dropping in for, you know, three to six weeks in a specific part of the world that I'm very familiar with and that energetically feels resonant and like home for me. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of, you know, you talk about having a base, which I'm assuming is home in Germany. Uh, for me, you know, I haven't returned home to Australia for uh, two and a half years now um but 
There are specific locations around the world, such as Moshi in Tanzania, such as Lake Atitlan in Guatemala, such as Boulder, um, uh, Colorado in the USA, or, or Chamonix in France. Like these are for, like these four specific places are places that I know I can drop into, and it's going to be like a deep out breath, and I'll be like, okay, I'm home now. I'm like, I'm like, I've got my bearings. And so as long as I'm stepping into those places and recharging, absolutely. Just the, uh, the sense, the sense of adventure and the sense of, um, of, of personal expansion that is demanded of me or you or whoever it is that's stepping into a foreign culture in a foreign country. Mm. Um, yeah. It, it calls for growth simply by being alive inside these inside these environments and these cultures that are so far different from the, uh, the social norms that, that, that we grew up with. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned too about the relationship ending with Jenny a couple years into your mutual business. And mm. I would love to, if you're willing to speak into that a little bit I would love to hear what the process was like because it sounds like you're also still walking together which mm. my deep respect <laughs> you must have done something right so that that is possible mm, mm, yeah for sure well I think I'm more than happy to speak into it the um the journey the journey for us was yeah I'll, I'll kind of like take start to finish without you know, going into every layer of detail, but, but effectively what happened, yeah, we're about um, 18 months into traveling and into the business. And I remember we just had our most successful um, sales um, launch for one of our, for our Mount Kilimanjaro Online Leadership Program. And Jenny and I went out for dinner. We're in Mauritius, which is an island, a, a beautiful exotic island off the coast of South Africa. And I remember we're out for dinner and we we're cheersing and celebrating our business success. And when I took a moment to stop and feel what was truly alive for me, there was this, this immense depth and density of sadness um, alive in my belly. And when I felt into what that was, I knew um, that it was because Jenny wasn't the one for me. Mm. And that moment in time was so confronting. It was so, it was so full on that I just didn't want to engage with it because the story that I had in my head was, whoa, if Jenny and I split, what does that mean for what we've created? You know, we've created this business that's transforming people's lives, it's facilitating our international travel, it's making us good money, um, you know, kind of all the layers that enabled this freedom that I'd been seeking um, would be taken away. And so inside the spirit of alignment and one's own integrity. I spoke into that. And then Jenny and I went on a basically a 12-month mission to explore whether what was missing for me inside our romanticism could be restored or could be um could be could be could grow. Mm. And you know, after 12 months of coaches and tantra retreats and various, you know, workshops, the yeah, the truth was that that we weren't romantically aligned. And so ultimately where that transpired was Jenny had just started working with a new coach. As you can see, we're very passionate about coaching and having coaches. Um, <laughs> Jenny, um, yeah, she started working with a new coach and part of, the, part of the truth that she really got in touch with in the early days working with him was she desires and deserves more in romantic relationship. And so I'd never been bold enough or courageous enough to actually say, hey, Jenny, <laughs> this is not 
aligned, even though deep down I knew that I was mm. still too afraid to actually like claim my truth. Um, but Jenny got in touch with that with her coach. And so, yeah, I remember it was July, 2020, um, Jenny walked into my villa when we were in Bali and, and she said, Jamin, I need more from you. And then I said, Jen, I know exactly what you're asking for here. Um, and you know, I can't give that to you. And so it was in that moment when the two of us were mutually coming to the place of, wow, okay, we are going to separate. And so it was in that we, you know, we held one another and we, we, we released for 10 minutes as we held each other in one another's arms. And then um, we agreed that we would just take four days space. Let's just have four days space just to like be with the, the magnitude of what we're agreeing to do here. Uh, and then after four days, we came back together at our favorite cafe in Chengdu. And, um, and I said, Jen, look, I've been reflecting a lot on our circumstance and where we're at. And I'll be honest with you, like, I absolutely love what we do. I love what we've created. And I'm really connected to an inspiring vision for, you know, the heart of mountains and marathons. And um, I believe that we don't need to stop what we're doing. Uh, and I would love to be a stand for the possibility of you and I becoming best friends and business partners as we step into an evolution of our relationship. And then Jenny smiled and laughed and she said, Jamin, thank you. I've been thinking exactly the same thing. Mm, mm. <laughs> and so it was from that place then that we're like, okay, all right, this is the journey that we're choosing to step into together. And I, I said, I said, look, Jen, this isn't going to be easy, but what I want to stand for here is the most inspiring separation the world has ever seen. And, um, and, Jen, and so then Jen's like, okay. I was like, cool, well, let's just work out how we do that. And so then, you know, using all the, the tools, the frameworks, the, the trainings that we've received over the years, we were able to then, um, yeah, follow kind of a, a really meaningful sequential process to both be inside our own um, detachment from, from the relationship. And so part of that included a, a three-day retreat that the two of us uh, co-created to facilitate a transition out of relationship, which involved, um, you know, going away to a private villa. Um, we spent a whole afternoon just sharing the chronological journey of our relationship, um, our highs and our lows. Um, and then uh, that evening we sat down and we said, okay, um, what is everything that you're going to miss about this relationship and about the other person? What is your deepest fears about the future? And what is the worst thing the other person could do? And the heart of these three questions came from an inquiry into what would be the most confronting, what, what are the most confronting things for us to navigate as we step away from this relationship? And I was like, wow, that's everything I'm going to miss. <laughs> it's my fears about the future. <laughs> and it's like the, the concern of what, like what Jen might do too quickly or too soon. Mm. And so from that place, we both just leaned in. And as you can imagine, it was, um, it was um, deeply emotional. Uh, it was deeply cathartic and really healing, uh, especially as we speak into the nuances of romance, of the things we're going to miss, like, mm. you know, the way that you cook that dinner with so much love, the way that when you walk past me and you just like gently touch my neck, um, you know, the way that you hold me when you notice that energetically I'm feeling a little bit off. 
like just all of those subtleties of uh, that come in beautiful romantic relationship we got to speak into those and as we speak we cry Mm -hmm. and so in the crying we're releasing and we're letting go of the attachment that we have to these things and so following on from that on the other side was then an opportunity to really um acknowledge what we love and respect about our relationship and what it was and what we love and respect in the other person and once we completed that acknowledgement we then moved into a um a a co-creation of okay where to from here um how do we how do we now move forwards uncoupled from this place and so that was kind of the the journey that we went on and and also part of the process too is the communication with everybody else. You know, there were some in-person mum got mum and dad on the phone, brothers on the phone, closest friends on the phone, me and Jen together. Hey, we're se- we're choosing to separate, and we want you to know that before the rest of the world knows. Mm. Uh, we recorded a video uh, with the two of us there acknowledging, hey, we're going to be separating, and we sent that to specific individuals in our inner circle um, who we who we didn't have the capacity to get on a call with. And then after that unconscious, that, that conscious uncoupling weekend that we did, um, we then took a photo and both drafted a beautiful Facebook post and then posted that publicly. So the rest of our community would be informed about the new context of the evolving, the evolving nature of our relationship. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Mm. I'm, I got a sense when you were talking about the way you both came to realize that there is something in allowing the circle to complete for each individual that makes it easier to move forward together in in a new capacity, you know? Just this idea that when we really allow something to complete itself and not try to interrupt it before it's completed itself, then it's actually easier, I want to say, to move to move through it would would you agree absolutely and if i'm hearing you correctly that the thing the thing that i want to speak into around this is the nature of grieving mm. like the the experience of grief can be absolutely excruciating and because it's so excruciating a lot of people avoid it mm. or they drag it out for way longer than necessary Whereas I'm of the belief that if we actually allow ourselves to lean in fully to the pain that is alive inside of us, to the sadness that's in, alive inside of us, the disappointment that's alive inside of us, we actually allow ourselves to let go of whatever narrative or fear of the feeling and drop in and then fully express it fast, like in a way it kind of like fast tracks the inevitable mm. of moving all of this emotion that is alive inside of us and you know, whether it's separate, whether, whether it's romantic separation or whether it's the loss of a loved one or a, um, you know, a, a dear friend, um, you know, chooses to break up, our, break up a friendship or even like leaving home for an extended period of time. Like it's, it, it, it's giving ourselves a permission field to feel the fullness and express and release it. So we ultimately become emotionally clear. We become neutralized. So we're no longer sitting with this density, this intensity of density and actually have a space for more, like more of life to show up. Mm. And so if you look at the context of me and Jenny, like, yeah, we both were really committed to our own journey of healing and releasing so much of what was alive inside of us about the grieving of the relationship, which sure it did take some, like it took a bit of time to like integrate and calibrate on the other side of that. 
But once that integration and calibration had taken place, granted that we continue to show up inside of love, respect and patience and compassion and understanding for the other person, it allowed for both of us to continue to be in touch with the new possibility that we're standing for in the relationship. And so in our case, that was best friends and business partners. Mm -hmm. And we continue to regularly check in on how we're going inside this intention and is what we're creating here in this possibility, is this is this feeling resonant as in alignment with what we're both committed to? Mm. And so from our standpoint, like our deepest commitment is that we're both living in our deepest alignment. And if either of us are no longer in deepest alignment of being best friends and business partners, there is space and permission for that to be communicated as we don't want to be denying anybody's truth and ensuring that we're continually living inside of our truth. So I kind of like veered more into the theme of alignment there, but the heart of what I wanted to speak into just then was the, the theme of grieving and how it's important that we don't shy away from the pain and intensity of grieving as I constantly experience people like holding on to things for far long, like holding on to things so much so that they end up suffering instead of just being in pain, they end up suffering. Yeah. Especially with grief, I feel like that's the case because it's similar maybe to anger, but grief is kind of like an uncomfortable, like a more uncomfortable emotion, like on the heavy side, right? Because it's like deep and, mm. and yeah, I feel that too, just allowing yourself to really go there. It, it probably won't even take that long for that to release as opposed That's to right. waiting and suppressing it and then this process being like dragged out forever exactly right exactly yeah. right because you know and, and it is and it's like to really to fully lean into the intensity and density of grief is like yeah it's excruciating for a short period of time yeah. otherwise it's like it's like really intense for a short period of time and then it's like oof, now i can let go now i can detach from how things were and and, and surrender into reality as it is and start to navigate and create from that space versus what many people do is an, a longing for what was or a hanging on to mm. what was, which is, you know, that's kind of not surrendering to reality. And that's a surefire recipe for unnecessary suffering. Yeah. So it sounds like it's, it has been two years since you made that decision, right? July, 2020. That's right. How, how is it now looking back at that decision and, and where you are at now? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. I mean, we, um, we have such a love and respect and, and reverence for one another. Um, and, you know, and, and, and part of the reason why we choose to remain so deeply connected in this way is we recognize that we are a creative force together mm. like we are we are very 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 complementary in a business creation sense there are certain skill sets and strengths that i have and there are certain skill sets and strengths that she has that i don't have um, that allow us to be a um a beautifully creative match in a in a um, professional context you know in, in put more in an energetic sense like my masculine and her masculine get along really fucking well <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh and so in that like we love being in that creative state and space with one another as far as sexual polarity goes that kind of um that kind of diet when we like when we both chose not the other and admittedly probably six months before we romantically separated mm -hmm. and stepped into that 
conscious uncoupling, like my, like my sexual pull to Jen started, like I started to shut that down. And so the nature of our sex and intimacy, like that part of our life had kind of um, had dwindled. And Mm -hmm. so from this place, it was kind of like, there wasn't, there wasn't an enormous amount to let go of on that front because I'd already been kind of closing in that mm. part of our relationship, which mm. obviously then becomes a, a an absolute killer in romanticism. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, she and, and Jen, she's beautifully in her feminine and has such range in her masculine as, you know, as do I. And yet just as far as like that, that um, sexual synergy, it's, um, it's just not alive anymore. And therefore mm. it doesn't distort the essence of, um, of our creative power as business partners. Mm, beautiful. I what I hear is a lot of processes that both of you allowed to happen and unfold around grieving, around kind of shifting like the sexual polarity and all the things and a lot of space that allowed this new way to show up for each other and for the business to be possible. And I find that like super inspiring. Mm, mm, yeah. Thank you. And, you know, and it does, it, it takes like business partnerships are kind of like a marriage. Like, mm. like it takes, like it takes something and you go, my experience is, is that, yeah, we go through stuff and, you know, Jenny and I are just, we're just so committed to workability in our relationship and workability. What I mean by that is like the best conditions for success. What are the agreements that actually set us up as a couple to have for everybody to win? And so for instance, if we notice that there is friction or tension showing up inside our relationship, we will direct, we'll say, Hey, there's tension here. There's, 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 there's friction here. We will name it and then we'll discern, okay, what's at the source of that? And generally speaking, if there's frustration or some kind of friction that's alive, it's one of two things. It's either um, a broken agreement or an agreement that's not yet currently in place. And so we'll distinguish straight away. Cool. All right. Has someone violated an agreement here? Okay. If they have, well, let's be responsible for that. Let's own it, name it, clear it up, apologize to the other person, recommit or change the agreement if it's not working anymore. Or it's like, hey, this is new. <laughs> How do we, what, what's the agreement we want to create to be able to navigate this when it shows up again in the future? So then we can actually forgive the other, have compassion for it because there was no agreed upon way of operating in that circumstance. Let that go. And now we stand upon a new foundation as we move forwards. Mm. Ooh, that's so powerful in all relationships, right? To have agreements and to be able to come back to those in a fiery moment, maybe, or where somebody's frustrated or where there's tension mm-hmm. just makes life so much easier. I, I, I hope that everybody can create these kind of agreements in all relationships, right? In like family dynamics, romantic relationships, friendships, uh, so needed. Totally, totally. And I mean, where it, and I think the best training ground for being able to be powerful inside of relationships is inside a romantic context or the kind of context that Jenny and I are in, which is that of like creative partners and building, you know, building business together. And you're exactly right. Then the heart, the heart of what we're speaking into here um, is foundational to thriving relationships in any, in any context. Yeah. A hundred percent. So you mentioned a little bit feminine and masculine energy, and this is something that I'm I love to talk about. So I would love to get your take on 
the dance of the feminine, the masculine, sacred union, especially like in romantic relationship, like how, what role does it play for you mm-hmm. when you think about rom- romantic relationships? Yeah, nice. Well, I think for me, again, it always, it always starts with self, right? It always starts with self. And I'm a huge proponent of being responsible for cultivating our own depth and range in our own experience and embodiment of masculine and our own experience and embodiment of feminine. Because when we can be in touch with our own like power, you know, and I'm talking about like beings in a male body, like human beings in a male body, human beings in a, in a, in a female body, like either way, we all possess these, these energies. Mm. We're all going to be polarized. In, generally, we're going to be polarized on one side of the spectrum. And yet it is important that we're all leaning into the edges of the ranges of these energies. And so um, inside of this, yeah, it's really getting in touch with like the, 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 clarity, the clarity, the focus, the vision, the sense of direction, the action taking, the, the penetrative force of the masculine. We all want to be maturing and, and getting in touch with that. Equally, we all want to be softening and surrendering and in our creative flow and being able to like be inside the moment and the fullest expression of ourselves inside the feminine. Now, if we look at it though, the best analogy that I have for it is like, or the best metaphor is kind of like the river and the riverbank. Like the masculine is like the riverbank, right? So the masculine kind of like, where, the, where does the water flow? The water is the feminine, the river is the feminine. But the, the riverbanks is the masculine and it actually carves and shapes the direction that the water actually flows. And so when we're able to mature and, and cultivate uh, a maturity in a, in a masculine, well, then we have the, the structure, the, the, the foundation, the safety, the direction for the feminine to be fully expressed and flowing mm. inside our own being. And so I speak about this from the level of pers- like of individual first, because when we can be in touch with that within ourselves, we can then be in touch with it in another and so, for instance, you know, when I'm in, when I'm present to the um, ocean of emotion in, 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 in a woman in her feminine, I can be like, okay, but like, I'm in touch with that within myself. Mm. <laughs> I, like, this is familiar. I got you. <laughs> I got, hey, we're good. <laughs> we're mm. good. Express, release, move through, cry, whatever it is. So I can hold that. Now, similarly... Um, similarly though, for myself, when I'm inside that, like I'm seeking, I mean, a, I want to be cultivating a maturity with my own inner masculine to be able to hold my feminine and her crazy ass expression of, of emotion and release. Right. So I want to be able to trust that I got me <laughs> like yeah. my masculine has my feminine. And similarly though, inside, you know, inside, um, I guess the vision of, of mature masculine and feminine interrelating is also that of being with a, a, a being in a, in, a, in a woman's body who can also receive me <laughs> inside of my feminine and hold, like, hold me inside of my feminine and not shame and blame me for my in-touchness and my sensitivity, which is often where I see kind of men can get stuck in the whole interrelating space of like always needing to fucking hold it together because their woman is like going to shame or blame if that, if there is too much softening or too much like um, emoting. Mm. So there are layers inside of all of this, but this kind of, I think kind of speaks into the heart of it's about, from my standpoint, it's about maturing in our own 
depth and breadth of our own inner masculine and feminine really getting in touch with that um and then being able to witness others and hold others inside their own journey of expansion expression um and then cultivating that capacity to know another so much so that you know that i can surrender and still be held and not blamed and shamed um and equally i know that i can hold myself inside my own emotional turmoil Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that so much to start kind of with yourself. And I also think that there's sometimes a misunderstanding that like, it's kind of like set, right? Like the person in the male body, if it's like a heterosexual relationship, the person in the male body is always in their masculine and the person in the female body is always in their feminine or vice versa of like the polarity is like different, right? But that it is really a dance. And there's moments where it's super effective and really needed for me as a woman who has a more feminine essence to just be in my masculine, even not just like kind of when I want to get stuff done, but even when I'm relating to other people, you know, and you could kind of like, obviously in relationship, right, to hold space for, um, for a man to to connect to his emotions but also then you can kind of bring that everywhere right also in a coaching session sometimes mm-hmm. i'm noticing ooh there's like my client who's female is like very much in her feminine and i kind of need to lean into my masculine to kind of pull her in a little bit or i need to mm-hmm. lean into my feminine so that she can go into her masculine so it's but either way it's a dance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely Absolutely. And again, this is the piece is like, I'm a big proponent of like cultivate the range. So yeah. then based on what a, based on what a, a circumstance or context is calling for, we're able to channel, we're able to channel certain energies in certain moments to be able to allow for what is naturally calling to, to, to unfold in this given moment. Mm. And, you know, you describing yourself or experiencing yourself as someone who is more polarized in your feminine, I mean, beautiful, like for then a person in a male body to be able to, who's polarizing their masculine, to be able to like, to be able to hold you inside this like natural, like this natural way of being. Yeah. Because we don't want to, we don't want, we don't want to shy away from what our predisposition is, what our like preset Mm. energy is. And knowing that that's probably what, that's, that's where we're most safe and comfortable and familiar. And knowing that we can access more of ourselves if circumstances call for it. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then too, I feel like it's a process too to find what is like truly authentic for us, like the authentic polarity within us, because there's so many external influences, like you were mentioning, right? Men being shamed for having emotions and all these things so that we learn to put on masks. And, you know, for women too, like, I don't know, I I heard a lot of stories like men are like this and you can't rely on them and blah, blah, blah. So I felt like, oh, I have to step into my masculine because I can't rely Mm. on men. Um, And then to to unlearn that, right? Yes, I want to integrate both parts inside of me. So beautiful that Mm. I know my masculine very well, but but Mm. also can I drop it and connect to what really is the truth of me, which might not be what I'm taught, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, and again, sort of coming back to it, it's also, again, it is this journey of like, can your feminine be held by your inner masculine? 
Like, do, does your feminine trust your masculine enough to hold her in her fullness? Because from that place, then, well, you've got you. <laughs> and, then, and then the journey of healing towards the, the healing journey towards the masculine more broadly, like the masculine out there can really begin because she in you is not going to be needy because <laughs> you've already got you. And therefore, you can actually start to really engage with in an undistorted way what's showing up energetically in relationships with men. Mm, beautiful. Mm, I love it. Mm, there's one thing I want to talk about as we kind of come to the end of our uh, lovely conversation, because I'm noticing, especially kind of like going through life right now being in this expansive program of like um, getting like a coaching certification and we are in this together right yeah i'm i'm noticing like different kind of themes emerge and i'm curious what is the biggest theme for you right now that is emerging in your life uh, holding holding more so and what i mean by that is is um typically when life begins to feel overwhelming or like the to-do list is endless or um yeah there's just like this story of too much mm -hmm. um my my process will be to like run and retreat <laughs> and then immediately start a process of like cutting and culling stuff. <laughs> um, and what I'm, what I'm recognizing, I think there is a time and place for that. And yet what I am also recognizing is there is also a point when life is actually calling for a level up mm. and an, inv an invitation to be able to actually hold more like, you know, or, or in otherwise phrase, like hold it all. Mm. And um, that is, that's a theme. Um, and it's really challenging and confronting <laughs> and for me, navigating, um, yeah, navigating the, the being with of, of that tension, like the being with, okay, like, whew, this is a lot right now. Like I'm holding a lot right now. Can I like, can I stay? Can I like, what does it look like? What does it take to be here? Um, you know, I could get into the specifics of what that is, but that's the, that's the theme. That's the essence of what I'm, of what's alive in my being right now. Mm. In a moment like that, how are you navigating it? Like, what are some of the tricks or like, I don't, I don't want to say steps, but what are some of the mm. invitations that you're listening to that maybe somebody else who's listening to our conversation could also apply? Mm. Yeah, for sure. So first, first thing I do, just notebook and pen. And I just write it all down. I just write it all down. Now, inside of that, if there are like then a whole bunch of like specific things to do that come with like this sense of the, 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 the doing inside of it all, we'll like get very specific. Here are the micro things that need to happen. Also, I'm also feeling into like, okay, what's the energy here? All right, that didn't go, like something didn't go to plan. I'm noticing anger or I'm noticing disappointment about that. So then it's like, all right, I need to move into an emotional release, like emotional release. So I move that density, move that energy. So that's no longer trapped and stored inside of my body and clouding, clouding my clarity. Um, and then the next piece is then getting in touch with a, a dear brother or a dear sister 
um, who I know will be able to meet me inside of compassion and empathy and have an, and have an understanding for what it is that I'm navigating um, and hold me in a safe space with no blame or shame, not even trying to fix Mm. Um, or problem solve just simply someone who can listen and go hey with all of that going on man fair enough you're feeling this way Mm. and as soon as I get like the tick of fair enough (laughs) from someone who I love and trust it's just like deep out breath okay let's go yeah I feel like the fair enough or I understand that makes sense that's like underrated that's usually like just give me that. Like, I don't need a solution. I don't need, I just want to hear, I understand. I've been there. Oof. That's right. That's right. That's it. I mean, if we can have a bit more fair enough in our life and, and listen, it takes something, it takes something to be a fair enough kind of person um, because it takes an in-touchness with our own compassion towards ourselves. It takes an in-touchness with our own capacity to truly empathize with another and what they're navigating to be able to go right well based on everything based on what's alive for you right now everything you're navigating based on your upbringing your childhood based on your cultural conditioning (laughs) like all of these factors it is fair enough that how you're feeling right now is your experience fair enough Mm. when people can experience that level of compassion and like okayness in the energy of another, that's that, like, fuck, that's 50% of healing right there. Amen. That's a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So good. Thank you for this awesome conversation. This was so fun and inspiring and nourishing to talk to you. So I appreciate you for showing up for me and everybody who's listening. Uh, so good. Thank you, Sophia. This has been really rich, really meaningful. Um, and I hope that, yeah, I hope those who are listening uh, yeah, get something, get something pragmatic and also something inspirational off the mm. back of uh, what we've leaned into today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sophia on Earth, where we talk about what it means to be human. If you want to dive deeper, leading from your feminine essence, in your relationships and in business. I would love to hear from you and support you on your journey. You can find all of my one-on-one coaching offers on my website at sophiaonearth.com or feel free to just reach out to me via Instagram at sophiaonearth. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Sending you so much love.